0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Joe Blogs About Films. Thank you so much for clicking on this podcast. It is so, so appreciated. We are on episode 50. This is the 50th episode of Joe Blogs About Films. I mean, who would have thought, eh? Who would have thought if I kept on doing these episodes I'd eventually get to a 50th landmark? What a surprise. Uh, but thank you. I Honestly, really do appreciate you clicking on them for this episode. Uh, rather than just do another standard review of a film, there's a few films I've got lined up this week that I'm very excited to check out. Uh, so keep your eyes and ears on the podcast page, because there's going to be a, a couple of reviews, no doubt. Uh, but for the 50th one, I thought I'd continue my revisit of a saga that I started in December. I do love rewatching pretty much all of these films at some point or other. Uh, in particular, I did the sequel trilogy, so this time around on the 50th uh, the fiftieth episode, that is, I'm going to revisit the, the, the prequel series of the Star Wars saga. That's, of course, talking about The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. I have not long just finished revisiting and re-watching these, sorry, in their entirety painfully at times as well uh but the, the 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 prequel trilogy for me is a special place like in my heart growing up when these films were coming out was so joyous and even though like i said i have very there's, a, there's there's flaws in the sequel trilogy that i really can't get on with i love all star wars you know what i mean like this, this the thing i want to, to to for you listeners to take away is that i do love star wars like I, you know it's a big part of my my life my growing up so here we are then, revisiting this uh, th- this, this infamous prequel trilogy. Um, just before we do start, though, obviously, the podcast is available on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Uh, you can also check out on rss.com, jump onto Facebook as well to find the page simply by searching Joe Blogs About Films. And lastly, thank you ever so much, though, for supporting, yeah, throughout as it is. So here we are. I mean, for all its faults, and like I say, for, for all of the, the issues, in particular the dialogue in these films, what I liked or what I like, sorry, about these films, is that you definitely can see the vision that George Lucas had. It was a real surprise, obviously, when George Lucas announced that he was going to be doing the prequel trilogy, obviously episodes one, two, and three, to tie in with the original trilogy, which obviously we will be touching on in the next month or so. I will be revisiting those as well, so there you go. Um, but this is, like I said in my previous podcast about the, the sequel trilogy, because the sequel trilogy is so bumpy, it makes me appreciate these prequel films so much more. Yes, the dialogues. Awful at times, the acting as well is very questionable. It really must have killed Ewan McGregor's back having to carry this entire trilogy himself. I mean, his performance throughout was absolutely stunning. And we will talk about obviously a lot of the um, yeah, a lot of the performances and, and and where the story takes us, but these films like like George Lucas Light, like, you know, was was aiming to do, in particular like he did with the original trilogy, these films were a giant leap for digital and effects and CGI and such like some of the some of the things we saw on screen, in particular, you know, anything to do with like droids or whatever or, or even there were times when the whole frame was just full of CGI characters, that had never been done before. And particularly, look at what they did with Jar Jar Binks as well. That that was a that was a huge feat for what they'd done, and that's the thing that why I appreciate what he did with these films and what what George Lucas has done prior is that he's always aiming to better cinema. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, the, the, by the time the Disney films came out, I mean, what more could they possibly do? It's a shame that you look at what Jon Favreau did with The Mandalorian and the like curved screen or whatever it was that they were using to film on, on set kind of thing. Like, Why couldn't they have utilised that within the sequel trilogy, you know, to kind of keep up that kind of tradition that Star Wars is always a leap for cinema? It just makes me wonder what, you know, with, it's almost like did Disney play it a little bit too safe? Obviously, yeah, the practical effects and, and this, that and the other and, and on set locations are great and, and what they did, obviously, CGI now, isn't a fantastic place, but I don't know. They could have they could have really pushed it even more for me. Like, and I think that's why the Mandalorian is so well respected within the within the uh, within the Star Wars community. Not only because it's amazing, <laughs> it's like fan service on another level. It's like fan service, but new storytelling. Not not like just constantly throwing stuff down your throat kind of thing. It's it's amazing. Like, it's, you know, really really good and this is the thing that the prequel trilogy still had that that feel to it that George Lucas was really pushing really wanting to make CGI better for future cinemas and such uh, for future films that is sorry and it it hasn't obviously it's gone on to do some marvellous and miraculous things but you know when the Phantom Menace was announced like it was huge huge news I remember as a kid when when the Phantom Menace was on the build up and the trailers and such were coming out and like people were genuinely buying tickets just to go to see I can't remember what film it was that was was premiering or whatever but the Star Wars trailer was attached to it and this is like pre you know being able to just jump on youtube and just watch it as many times as you want you know the amount of times that films come out in the most recent years that you know like avengers hype or even spider-man this that and the other like we can just go on youtube and watch the trailers over and over and over again whereas when this came out it was you, you had to watch it at the cinema pretty much like yes you could go on the website if you had a computer i don't know if people were looking. i'm trying to think if i had a computer by 1999 or 98 when the trailer dropped kind of thing but the hype was real, man, like the hype was so real and I, I, like I said in my previous podcast about Star Wars, I completed the sticker collection for this, one of my proudest moments as a, as a youngster. It was just a great feel and the merchandise in particular surrounding Darth Maul for the Phantom Menace was sky high. Like, people were all over Darth Maul. When we saw that glimpse of Darth Maul and his double red lightsaber, like, Jesus Christ, man, like, what a, what a fantastic design and what a way to really bring these fans in and, and just remind us again why we love Star Wars. It's just a shame, I know the Clone Wars fixed this and I I, I may may touch on things with that but I'm I'm primarily going to focus on the storytelling that we got in these three films I just felt that one of the worst things that George Lucas did with the Phantom Menace, aside from the space politics and this that and the other, which again I'll try and I'll try and go over, but even with that, for me, like I had to do like a again like a recap and uh, and some more research, I should say about the Trade Federation and this that and the other, which oh, just whatever. Um, one of the biggest one of the biggest letdowns for me, or one of the worst decisions that I think George Lucas made was killing off Darth Maul and the Phantom Menace. Like he could have been the Darth Vader of this prequel series. Like. We didn't need Count Dooku. We maybe have him there to kind of progress the storytelling. But imagine if they'd have kept Darth Maul in. I think that we could have got such a fantastic trilogy and a great end, and at least like a new reason. If Darth Maul was to go, kill him off, obviously at the start of Revenge of the Sith or something, and then that leads that paves the way for for young Anakin to uh, to become the new apprentice to Darth Sidious. Just my thoughts on that. You can disagree if you want. I know that Darth Maul, obviously, like I said, does he is the the main villain in the Clone Wars series. He does come back and he also pops up in Solo, a Star Wars story, which I will never revisit that. <laughs> I will never do a podcast on that because it would just be 10, 15 minutes of me just bitching. So I ain't, I ain't touching on it. I ain't going anywhere near that. But yeah, I do feel that, like I said, that Darth Maul could have stuck around because... Oh my god! Like I I even got like a you know like when you could buy your own lightsabers. I got Darth Maul's lightsaber. On, obviously, like why wouldn't I get Darth Maul's lightsaber? And you know, like I said, that the whole merchandise range surrounding him, it was a, it was a real hit, like a real hit with the fans, which is really strange when you look at the polar opposite of the likes of what Jar Jar Binks got. And this is the thing: when I rewatch it, like as a kid, I loved. Like as a kid, the Phantom Menace was like it was just flawless. You know what I mean? And I'm sure there will be many people out there as well when they when this film came out in in ninety nine who watched this like same age as me kind of thing and you probably have the same feelings towards the phantom Menace as i do is that like even now i don't hate it like i do not hate this film even when i re-watch it yes there are moments in there like i say with the trade federation signing this treaty this that and the other and all the boring stuff aside like there are bits that yeah do take you out of the film but as a whole i think it is it is really captivating at times like it really does like you feel for these characters and and it, it kind of brought a i don't know like uh, this this whole new view and dynamic of the jedi and, and the council and, this, and the other things that we'd not seen at all because obviously by the time the original trilogy in in terms of chronolo- chronological time order you know the jedi council this and they're just gone like there's nothing left there is literally you know good old ben kenobi just having a having a chill out time on tatooine watching over luke so it, it was really great to explore that whole that side of things, and to see so many Jedi knocking about, and 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 the, the you know the the repression of the Sith not being about, but you know it's bubbling, bubbling in the background to where we find it in the original trilogy. So there's, for me, like I said, the Phantom Menace isn't a bad film. I think it's got flaws in there, but it's nowhere. And I, and again, I don't want to sit and start slagging things off or, or going into too much my distaste. But when I was watching the the second one, Attack of the Clones. I, I just i was i i try to like the film i do try to like what it brings it brings some fantastic moments in there but i really just hate it like i just can't get on with it and and there'll be people who listen to this will be thinking how can you not like a star wars film i just not even the jedi all together at the end can save that film for me it it, it is such a difficult watch i will i will probably talk a little bit more about it when we come to it it's just in comparison, the Phantom Menace is a superior film to Attack of the Clones. Like I, 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 just cannot, cannot get on board with it. I'm sorry for for Attack of the Clones fans, but even like as much as I've said on my last podcast that the Rise of Skywalker is a very is a very like Disney esque film and felt like such a kind of uh, you know complete opposite to what the Last Jedi had set up and it had, it had its flaws. But he, but the Rise of Skywalker is a much more enjoyable film. The pace is dead on. Well the, well, the pace is fast forward, basically, I should say. It's not even dead on, it's just fast forward. But the pace is better f- for what we're seeing and stuff than Attack of the Clones. Like, there are moments in Attack of the Clones when I was just, like, almost staring at the screen but not taking in. When I was re-watching this again, this is... Because I, I really have tried to get on with Attack of the Clones, but I, I just cannot. I just can't. Cannot, cannot do it. But I'm sure we'll talk about more to do with uh, with Attack of the Clones as we go on. It'll probably be very similar this podcast to my sequel trilogy that you know I'll probably be fleeting from here to there. Like I said, I was going from like seven to nine, eight to seven, da 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 da. So this will be one of those things again when I'm going from like two to three, one and so on. You get what I mean. But basically, yes, we will definitely be talking a little bit more. About Attack of the Clones, as we as we go on, but like going back to Phantom Menace, like as as a as an adult now, you know, watching it and seeing like characters such as Jar Jar, it's very. I mean, I, I do struggle with it. Let me don't get me wrong, like I do I do struggle with it. However, the Gungans are quite an important part of that story, particularly towards the end with the battle at Naboo and such. Like they they drive that story forward, and and I enjoy the battle at the end with nebiwi against the droids and such i think it's great i think it's fun it's got some humorous moments in there i know that that's the thing like jar jar at times could be too funny borderline you know like this isn't a comedy you know what i mean but i i do get what he was going for george lucas and, and you know it's it's easy you know it's, it's i can see what he was saying that these films are aimed at a younger audience however you can't disregard the audience or the fans that have grown up with the original Star Wars, you know. They they I, I do I completely understand what you're saying, but, but that that's me not saying, right, it should never have included Jar Jar. I think that was a great creation. Like I say, in terms of CGI effects and such, it's a, it's a great feat and, and a massive step in in that kind of all CGI character, you know, that's something that then would be explored further down the line as cinema's gone on. You I've spoken before with my good friend obviously about Gollum and such, about what they did. You know, it wouldn't be able to have necessarily done that without what George Lucas created for this film with Jar Jar. So that's the thing that there are there's beauty within the awfulness should I say and we have to look I have to look at it from that kind of perspective because yeah the Gungans fair enough people might dislike them but Star Wars always explores different worlds and such and brings in different characters and I thought the Gungans were fine I just feel that there was just too much of Jar Jar like he didn't have to be that character that was with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon all the way through it just it it didn't have to happen but still like I see what he was going for and I just I just don't think that the hate necessarily in terms of what the actor got. Um, I forgot his name now, but I, 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 I don't think that it was... you Well, know, it, was, it wasn't necessarily, was it? It was, it was awful. It's only recently... It's similar with a lot of actors in this film, particularly like Hayden Christensen as well. You know, they... Are only just able to kind of revisit these films. I know that Hayden Christensen has now been attached to the Obi Wan Kenobi series, which I'm super super excited for in itself because, like I say, Hugh McGregor, what a standout! What a standout in these in these prequel films. Um, you know, these these actors can only just start to revisit these films because of the negative impact it had on their on that time of their lives kind of thing. Like, no way, you know, was would we, would they have ever expected that Jar Jar would have been received with that much hate. Um, it, it's 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 mad. And this is the thing, which is why I always worry about talking about Star Wars. Like, I we all have opinions on Star Wars, you know what I mean? We all have our favourites. We all have our least favourites. I know the prequel got a lot of flack, this, that, and the other. But... Just keep them. Just just have your opinion and and accept other people's. Like no one's right or wrong necessarily. Um, you could argue that maybe George Lucas got too 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 much with the CGI front, in particular. Obviously, by editing the original trilogy too much, but that's fine. That's again that's opinions and such. I just think that these films are, are designed to entertain, and for the most part, there is entertainment within them. Phantom Menace, obviously, of course, has. One of the greatest to top to think of score wise, like the, the the music of Star Wars. You know the, the the Star Wars theme from John Williams is incredible. It's iconic. It's you only have to hear the first note and you know what you're hearing. To near to, to near enough top that with the Jewel of the Fates because arguably it is probably the second best in in the Star Wars world or even let's just say. Composition, you know what I mean? It's it's up there, you know what I mean? Like it is, it is up there for Star Wars. It's definitely the second best theme, kind of thing, second best musical part of the film. The Jewel of the Fates and that and, and and what is accompanied on screen with the music and that fight between Darth Maul, Qui Gon, and Obi Wan. It's unbelievable. Like it is absolutely unbelievable when that first played out and and you saw it for the first time. I just, I, it's everything that you'd want from Star Wars, you know what I mean? And the choreograph, I mean, one of the issues I have in particular with episode three as well, um, just talking about the choreographed fights and such is that some of them are too choreographed. Like some of them are way too wooden, like Palpatine and Mace Windows fight in episode three, Jesus Christ. Like some of the movements were awful to say the least. But then you look at the Jewel of the Face one and it is just beautiful. Like it flows wonderfully every action every movement fits the place fits the fits the setting and and, the, and what we're seeing it's just it is just absolutely down to a t fantastic you know what i mean like it's it's like i've said before with certain choreographs it's like a dance this is like a dance like it is so good just seeing these two jedis trying to take down this this very powerful sith obviously granted does get taken down in the end, but I just feel that the stakes are so high with that, because obviously not all the, you know, one of the Jedi in Qui-Gon does sadly meet his demise at the hands of Darth Maul, and that's a real strong moment, like obviously these Jedi are meant to be, you know, the the, the most powerful kind of thing, you know, up there, you know, these are the ones in charge kind of thing, the Jedi Council, and to see Qui-Gon struck down in his prime almost, after just wanting to take on, you know, Anakin as, as another Padawan, or at least he's set to be the chosen one. And I've not even really spoke about Anakin because the prequels—it's his story in that sense, which we will come in a second. I will come to in a second. But it was just that moment, and 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 again, like you said, the music is so—it just goes hand in hand. You know what I mean? Like it, without the music, and there are sequences in the fight that doesn't have music. When, like I said, after Qui Gon's gone, and then Obi Wan's kind of stood waiting for the for the laser beams to let him through to to, to kick on at Darth Maul again when that happens, and the doors open, and he comes flying in for that fight, you I just, you feel the energy in that scene, you feel the energy in their acting, you know, it's been, you know, Ray, Ray Park and 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 you and McGregor really going at each other in that fight in that last and there's no music for the first part of it, as I say. It is just the noises of the lightsabers hitting each other, their feet and their boots skidding across the floor. It is just so, so good. Jewel of the Fates will always be one of my favourite, let's say, musical moments of the film. Great composition, but accompanying that with what we see on screen, I don't think I've I I, I don't think there's another Star Wars fight. That is up there other than I don't know maybe maybe Empire's fight between Luke and is pretty good but I genuinely feel that Duel of the Fates is, I, I'm going to go out and, and, and say that the Duel of the Fates fight is the best lightsaber duel of the entire Star Wars saga, I'm just going to go out and say that, you can argue and you can correct me if I'm wrong if you think there's another one that should be up there um, whether that's anything from the prequels whether that's anything else sorry, from the prequels or the originals or the sequels but I genuinely think that Jewel of the Fates is um is just astounding it's absolutely it's just beautiful to watch it is it is so so good so let's talk about Anakin because Hayden Christensen obviously does I think the thing with with Anakin in this is that yes I I get the argument that he does come across as like a bright teenager and he does at times like that's my biggest issue with episode two is there's too many moments when I'm just like oh mate just give it a rest like Oh Obi-Wan's holding me back. Oh, uh, it's like just 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 stop it, mate. Just really really just you don't I get that they want to demonstrate and kind of represent that dark side within him and that he is essentially going to become the bigger the bad. But why does that make him so cringe? You know what I mean? Like it's it's weird because in the first one you do feel for this character, you know. he's he's that to is that to leave his mum? You know the, the the one person that that protects him from everything. You know he lives on. He's, he's a they're both slaves within Tatooine. He's given the the opportunity of freedom. He's 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 taken with Qui Gon to obviously become. A Jedi Knight kind of thing, you know, and I get that that would shake any young child's world. And the worst thing, as well, that happens to Anakin, only leaving his parents, is that he's never had that father figure. Qui Gon was the father figure that then gets killed. It's like he's got no one. And I think that's the difference between Qui Gon's training, what would have led Anakin down the different path to what Obi Wan's was, because Obi Wan, he just obviously carried on for what Qui Gon wished. You know, Qui Gon's last dying wish was that the boy needs to be trained and he you know he he is the chosen one so of course Obi-Wan will respect his master's wishes and he will take Anakin on to be his padawan and will train him to be a Jedi but the difference is, is that that's literally it. There's there's a relationship there, but it's more of a brother relationship, like Obi-Wan says in The Revenge of the Sith. It's a brother relationship, not a father and someone, whereas if he'd have been looked after and trained by Qui-Gon, there'd have been a nurture there. That'd He'd have been, been moulded differently and shaped differently, and I don't think that he would have then gone down this darker path, and that's what he's always kind of cried out for, almost, is that kind of father figure. Yes, he's got his Obi-Wan as his mentor, but that's why you can easily see why he was corrupted by Palpatine in Revenge of the Sith, and lured down the, the dark path especially when you've got Palpatine saying everything that Anakin wants to hear like oh you're worried about Padme dying are you well fear not my friend I will sort this out for you all you have to do is learn the ways of the dark side and and this is it like that there are so many great performances between from Hayden Christensen that for me like yeah it's easier for us to kind of see the negatives of his portrayal and the wooden acting that there is and, and I, I never would like to slag off actors per se kind of thing because I've been there I've done that, there's things that I've done in my theatre days where I think Jesus Christ, what was that <laughs> like, you know what I mean, we've all done stuff like film, short films or whatever where you're like, oh dear I can never watch that again, but like th- th- this, there are some great moments in there, like I said, I think I said on my previous podcast about Star Wars that one of my favourite all time moments in Star Wars is simply that conversation between Palpatine and Anakin talking about Darth Plagueis and such and what happened to him it's a great moment, I think it's JJ, one of JJ his favorite moments as well It's is very 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 good conversation between the both of them and i just think that for all the you know for all the awfulness of, of hayden christensen there are moments of just fantastic you know acting like there's real torment in there like the sequence when he's in revenge of the sith when he's deciding and contemplating what to do you know in the sense that he knows the jedi are going to go after palpatine and arrest him or even worse kill him but then he's like should i should I listen? Because, you know, the council kind of, the, you know, they promoted me to the council, but they've not made me a Jedi, uh, a master. They're, they're also asking me to spy on Palpatine. I've got Palpatine that's telling me that he can save Padme and he can teach me certain things that the Jedi will never teach me. Kind. Of. So you you see that moment when he's like looking out at Coruscant, keeps fleeting between obviously his visual, his face and, and, and torment to Padme's innocence and that tear that rolls down his face. You know, you do feel it, you know, you feel this, this character that is like under real, Strained and real, not 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 sure what path to take, and unfortunately, obviously, he does go down the the the, the dark side path, which which obviously was inevitable. Because if imagine if it just changed it, <laughs> and then it was like well, oh, hang on, where's Darth Vader gonna come from? So I do think his performance. There are some moments in there. There are some horrendous moments. Don't get me wrong. But like you know, that the fight between him and Obi Wan in Revenge of the Sith again, is up there. Like it is so good on Mustafar, like representing. You know, you've got the lava representing the dark side and the turn and such in 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 uh, in Anakin. I just almost feel like that he just was given a bit of a just terrible script. Like I said, the dialogue in these films is horrendous. You know, You've, you you underestimate my power and sand or this that and the other. Like the the I'm obviously you know I'd be struggling to sit on the spot and think of direct ones. But Attack of the Clones is full of horrendous dialogue. Like that sequence again with Padme and Anakin just on Naboo, just having. Oh, just rolling in the grass together. Did why? 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 I get that you want to you want to uh, explore and and present a a a truly uh, believable relationship blossoming between the two of them. But I don't know. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Like it's just a bit just not Star Wars, really. I, they could have still had all those moments, but just just cut it down a bit. Just don't. I don't need to see him rolling around in the grass pretending to be hurt and then he's not, and they're all laughing and cuddling and kissing and. Uh... I don't get me wrong I like, I I love a good emotional scene or a love sequence or whatever but nah, not having that, not having that in the slightest terrible. So yeah the, there's some horrendous dialogue is what I was getting at there. There are some really bad lines in this uh, in the prequel say it's, it's just that's the thing that the flaw, the flaws seem to outweigh the, the positives of these films and as I've mentioned you know like it's it's one of those where you watch the sequel trilogy and yes it's great for Star Wars and I do love Star Wars but the sequel trilogy lacks I don't know it's that same feel you know like that's the thing even with attack of the clones and as much as i don't like the film i think it's just the weakest of the bunch um it still feels like george lucas was 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 presenting as a story that he, he really wanted to get out there you know we we saw so many layers to anakin as a character in that second one obviously to to lead us obviously to where we find him in the third one you know that the loss of his mum which is a massive massive moment for him it's the first kind of Dark side moment. It's the first Darth Vader moment, you know. What I mean, he goes out and kills all those Tusken Raiders. It's yeah, it it was a real, real dark moment for him as a character, and 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 obviously we do explore that more when he kills Count Dooku. Obviously, on the other hands, uh well, with Palpatine kind of manipulating him into doing that in Revenge of the Sith, and and that's another thing. Like how we can't talk about the prequels and not talk about some of the fantastic lines that come from Palpatine, in particular in Episode Three. You know, we've got do it and then we've got unlimited power it's just oh man like even though those like moments particular particularly unlimited powers like a little bit like oh it's a bit cringe but i love it all the same man like i am all for it and he's 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 one of the most easy quotable characters to do is palpatine oh man uh, i am at Dermot's performance is just astounding it's so good but yeah sorry just returning to uh just returning to anakin and what i was previously saying before that little uh side note You know, Anakin's such a complex character, it's very easy to see, like I say, from start to finish where it all went wrong for him. Could have gone down a different route, but sadly it wasn't to be, and I don't know, like I say, as much as Hayden Christensen gets all the crap that he got for for these films, yeah fair enough, his acting wasn't up to scratch, but he was still quite a young actor at the time, so I think that when he's given a script that's saying, read these terrible lines, I don't really know what else he can do with it. It's interesting enough as well to hear of all the different things that could have happened in Revenge of the Sith, or things that were cut, and other elements of Anakin that could have been explored a little bit, like obviously after he's cut down by Obi Wan. Obi Wan's always gonna have the high ground, ladies and gentlemen, let's be honest. I don't think that's just one of those things, isn't it? But when he's cut down, obviously there's well, you may have, if you're a Star Wars fan you'll know obviously that there's the infamous like three and a half hour cut of the of the of the Revenge of the Sith film. Uh, like Anakin, I think when he was going to get cut down, was going to in that moment would would ask Obi Wan to save him, kind of thing. It's a natural reaction. It's his master. He wants him to save him, kind of thing. Help me, kind of, you know. And Obi Wan has to really force himself not to help someone that is on who has now gone to the dark side. So it would have been interesting to see that kind of that turn. I think that maybe they wanted to represent and reflect that he was too far gone now, that he was fully Im- immersed and embraced by the Sith side of things. So I do like the thought though that. In that moment, he would have cried out for Obi-Wan to save him. But alas, that wasn't to be. I don't know. I just think that, like I said, when we meet Anakin um, in, in episode one, that innocent young child, there's so much that shapes him for the character that he's set to be. And I think that the the complex stories and and, and complex situations, I should say, that we find him in episode three in particular, you know, he's, he's trying to say Padme. He knows that she's pregnant with kids and such, that they're, they're going to have a, the potential life together. But... Seeing those dreams and, and and this is the thing, like if you want to boil it down, I used, to, I used to have a laugh with this all the time. I'd be like, Anakin turns the dark side because he has a bad dream, pretty much. Like he has a dream that Padme is gonna die in childbirth, and then he's like, Oh well, that's it. I need to be, I need to save her, so I'll do whatever I can. You can you can almost argue that if you want to, but I I, I do say that with like tongue in cheek almost, but anakin it's, it's it's his story I, I almost feel as well that these prequel films could have we could have explored anakin's origin to becoming darth vader but also had some other things going on some other things like i like have anakin's story as a side story and then the like other main story going off um but I, I get that this is a skywalker saga kind of thing so it would have been a bit probably too too messy to have done that um I can't believe I've been speaking for this long and I've already touched, obviously, so much on episode one without actually mentioning pod the pod racing sequence. My God. Like, that again, after all... Because this is what I found with, with episode one was that there was a lot of talking, bit of action, more talking, bit of action, and it was... Yeah, that's most of the time how films do go down. If it was just action, 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 you'd be getting a film a bit like The Rise of Skywalker when it's, like, just no substance to it kind of thing. But when we got that pod racing sequence, just some of the camera angles and effects and everything to do with that, like it's so so good. And even when I rewatch it now, you know, you know, in my in my the editions that I've got, you know, I remember seeing this at the cinema and they brought it back for three D, and there were extra sequences that were put into it uh, and again, Die fans will notice those extra sequences because you'll have the original engraved into your head when you first had it on VHS or whatever or even on DVD and such, like, there's moments in the pod racing sequence that were not in the theatrical cut, like when I think one of the one of Anakin's, like there's moments in that that are in the theatrical cut and, and such so it's, it's nice revisiting that, but it's such a fantastic and fun sequence in its own right like it is glorious to watch you know what i mean like it for the for the month for the however many minutes 15 20 minutes or whatever it's on screen it's just enthralling like it's like the, the the chase sequence in uh return of the jedi you know speed races but on another level like george lucas again this in its own cell you know it's, you've got the mixture of the cgi but then you've got the, practic- the practical effects as well or what they created of the pod race for and to to sit in and such like it was just so good you know what i mean like it was so fun to watch and something that you know you can see where that would take off you know like obviously i think there was the pod racing game that came out i remember as a kid i had pod racing bedsheets and such like it was iconic and every time that sequence comes on whatever if it, even if it's on the background you can't help but just stop and watch in awe of of this moment you know play out like i I, the work that went into that is just amazing like i think george lucas again really really nailed it and and this is the thing this is there's all these moments and such that stand out so for me anyway so much more in the phantom menace than there are in attack of the clones there's not really much else other than I say all the jedi together at the end i don't mind the jango fett and and obi-wan fight sequence as well yoda at the end with count dooku was a pretty good fight but it's just everything else with the the attack of the clones that I just cannot cannot get on with. Whereas with the Phantom Menace, even though Jar Jar does have some head in, and it's a little bit boring in terms of the space politics side of things and, and everything, it's just yeah, I, ju- I I I I do respect what he was doing with the Phantom Menace. Um, you know, with with many things in this film, as I said, but the the CGI and and, and what he did f- like for film moving forward was 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 you know it's 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 amazing. It's so amazing what George Lucas was doing. Other things that I liked about the prequel trilogy, in particular, was the the rise of Sidious, obviously Palpatine. That whole kind of was, you know, when there was a speculation. When, when I remember when my dad told me at the time, like when when Palpatine was on screen, or like when we were rewatching it, however many times, or whatever, when he was like, oh. You know, Palpatine is is going to become Sidious kind of thing. He's like a, almost like a mole kind of thing. Like he's building up to be the big bad, obviously that we find in Return of the Jedi. And I remember like sat there being like mind blown, like what? And then you rewatch all these little nods and little teasers of what was to come. You know, there's the sequence right at the start of the Phantom Menace when Palpatine is on the on the on the projection and, and talking to to Padme or, or, or Queen Amidala, I should say, and like it's all jittery and breaking. And there's a moment when the the, the voice like kind of drops and breaks, and it sounds that I think one line comes out sounding like Palpatine and it's just so clever done, you know, I mean cleverly done. And and this whole like I say, his whole, you know, aim almost obviously is to take down the Jedi and such and, and then but but that that kind of characteristic of him to, to see the potential Anakin to see you know that he is essentially meant to be the chosen one according to prophecy. But then to to, to make him his own like protege and to make him his his apprentice, his new apprentice. I think he's just amazing. Like, it's, it, for a character, he is he is so evil. You know what I mean? Like, he is evil on another level. To be able to kind of have you know uh, show face almost and and make the Jedi and such believe. Obviously, it does kind of come crashing down a bit towards the end in *Avenger: The Sith* when they kind of realize that things aren't quite right. Trust your feelings, Obi Wan says to Anakin about Palpatine. that something's something's not right with the guy. I think that I enjoyed watching his progression as well becoming Sidious uh, as much as I enjoyed Anakin becoming Darth Vader I think that like I said that in particular episode three Palpatine and, and, and Anakin when they're together on screen it is just it's difficult not to turn away you know what I mean like there's so many moments when you can just the, the 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 manipulation that's in there is just amazing to watch you know it's it really is good storytelling. And this is the thing, for the storytelling purposes I think the 1, 2 and 3 do a do a pretty bang up job, you know. It, episode 3 is is by far the best, don't get me wrong, in terms of a, a story and, and, and pacing and, and action and such. It's He's the best one. Like for me, it's my favorite of the prequel trilogy. Phantom Menace, obviously, is second to that. Um, but Revenge of the Sith, I remember seeing that at the cinema and just being completely blown away. Not not just by the the actual story itself and where it goes, but you know the the action that was seen. Like I said, Mustafar is the end of obviously, well, the end of Anakin and the birth of Darth Vader. You know the fight between obi-wan and anakin is is something it's, i remember as a kid just being blown away that it was uh, it's something it's only little it's only a little thing which even to this to this day I, I do enjoy is the fact that anakin always used his blue lightsaber right up until like right until the end of it you know what i mean he, he didn't get his red lightsaber Avengers of the sith or anything like that we didn't need to see that the idea of seeing two what should be good guys fighting each other or mustafar you know to the death literally to the death um it was just it was just great. Like it was so good, and I like as well with these films. There's a fantastic just for a quick shout. There's a fantastic there's loads of behind the scenes footage you can get on with if you've got the Blu-rays and such. You'll be able to watch them. But if you if you haven't, there's a great one on YouTube, which obviously is a bonus feature of the 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 well the the, the making literally from start to finish pretty much of the Phantom Menace, which is amazing. Like it's so good to watch. Like it really is so fun to watch. You know what I mean? So I would definitely. Definitely watch that if you've not seen it already. But if you listen to this and you're a big Star Wars fan, you'll you'll have seen it already. Um but then obviously with the, with the range of the Sith, even, even still, I mean, uh, well all the way through these films, what I enjoyed and what I like is the fact that George Lucas also kind of had Spielberg, Steven Spielberg as a bit of a consultant, like the, there's moments with the Mustafar fight. We can watch where Steven Spielberg comes into, you know, look at the, the storyboards and such, and kind of given his input or like what, what could work and what maybe what might not work and such. And even, you know, he pops up on the behind the scenes footage of the, uh, of the Phantom Menace as well. And, and, I just liked that it was such a behind-the-scenes. It was like a family making these films. Yes, George Lucas is at the helm, but it's great when you watch behind the scenes Like, uh, there's all this negativity towards George Lucas and yeah, even I've said it before, like he's got two, you know, his CGI fingers kind of thing he likes to f- meddle with things and make things more CGI, oh we don't need you know, let's, let's replace the puppet Yoda and use a CGI one on, on DVD release or whatever for the Phantom, it's stuff like, yeah, that are annoying and some of the things that he did in, in the original trilogy that were really, really blasphemous like putting Hayden Christensen at the end of the uh, at the end of Return of the Jedi as the, as the Force goes, so I was like, what? what? Uh, which I will come on to obviously when we do talk about the original saga but the thing is is that when you watch the behind the scenes like it's not like George Lucas was like a a dictator or whatever yes this is his baby this is his craftsmanship And, and it still surprises me to this day in fairness that he did sell the rights to Disney so they could continue the saga and I'd love to sit down and have a proper chat with him, like off record, just what he thought of where the story went. I know he's come out and said a few things already, but I'd love to have a real, real good natter with him about the sequel trilogy, um, one could wish. Um, but when you see him behind the scenes, he's like embracing all this different input from all these different people that have, you know, a different admiration and love for Star Wars. Not only the actors, but the editors, the the people creating all the monsters or creatures, this, that and the other. And I just enjoyed watching him behind the scenes. Like uh, It's almost like a kid, you know what I mean? Like, he, he, he does, you know, he was taken on board. And when, you know, looking at different designs for characters, it's nice to see which ones, or like you see the final one on the board kind of thing, or the closest one, and, you know, that's the one he's really drawn to. And he's like Xing off different ones. We'll leave this one, we'll get rid of this one, and such. But, you know, you could tell there was a real nurture to it. Granted, not everything. Fell into place and not everything worked, you know. There's so many things that they could have done. Like for me, like I, I, I love what he did with with Coruscant and that, and I would have loved to have seen Coruscant return in the sequel trilogy. It's a shame that that never happened. I know it was set to in in the original plans for Episode Nine, um, but yeah, like it just it was really just it's really nice to see him behind the scenes with it all and all, and working with all these people alongside on this this epic adventure and epic story of obviously Anakin becoming Darth Vader. Um, yeah, it, it's just, like I said, the prequel trilogy now, I have such a, a much more admiration. I say Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi is so good. Like I say, it is something that I've always enjoyed watching him. He was like the, one of the best for me growing up. I say Luke Skywalker was my all-time favorite Jedi, still is. And, you know, Obi-Wan now, is, after the prequel trilogy, is close behind him because Ewan McGregor, again, as a performer, is absolutely fantastic. Like, I again, I, I to see him grow through these roles was so fun. And by the end, I'd say that last moment between him and Anakin when he's kind of saying, you know, you the chosen one," this, that, and the other. It's you feel it, you know what I mean? There's there's those moments where you really do feel that 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 connection between the two of them. And you McGregor, like I can of I really cannot wait to see what they do with this with this uh, TV series they're doing of uh, of Obi Wan Kenobi because I have no sh- like no worry or concern whatsoever. Like fair enough, the Boba Fett series is going down a bit of hit and miss. Like there's elements I've not been too fussed about of it but it's still Star Wars so I'm still going to watch it I'm still going to try and enjoy it anyways but Obi-Wan series like it, you've got you McGregor in there you've got and Christensen returning as well like how can it go wrong you know what I mean like surely not you know let's 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 make that as best as it possibly can do and it seems like it's going to be so I just can't wait to see him don that iconic outfit and, and lightsaber once again because he really is a standout in these films when we meet him obviously in episode one to where he ends in episode three and and you know put him on that trajectory for the rest of his character for for a new hope and such like it's it's just wonderful like it is a very very good performance from McGregor and and, and really does captivate Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that I've missed or I want to touch upon before I summarize but I don't know like I say that they're, they're like, like I've kind of gone over the course of the, the this podcast is that the, the prequels they have flaws, don't get me wrong, they do but I still love them. Like As much as Attack of the Clones does my absolute head in it, and I really can't get on board with some of the moments and sequences in that film, it does have some payoffs in there for watching, like I say, all the Jedi together at the end and just kicking ass. you know what I mean? It was so much fun to watch. I think that there is something to enjoy in these films, so much to enjoy. You know what I mean? Like it is so good. Like the the choreographing of the fights, I say, is 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 one thing. The CGI and effects and practical effects and such is completely another. It's it's just really great. And I think George Lucas, he had every you know all the best intentions and really wanted to get his story across. And he did have a vision. He got his voice out there as well, which I have high praise for. I just think that some of the things were were a little bit dull in places and that's the best thing I can really put for it the best to say space politics aside these prequel films really have got something uh, something going for them so there we have it Uh, that's the prequel trilogy gone over it's a lot nicer this one actually than my sequel one I remember towards in the sequel trilogy podcast I did I was kind of like having to almost uh apologize for sounding like i was just bitching for like 40 minutes or whatever it was that i was talking for because like i said there's things that i enjoyed in there but overall it's a very disjointed uh, disjointed trilogy whereas there are flaws and issues in the prequel trilogy but it's still a bit of a it's a cohesive story you know what i mean it doesn't like one follows after the other one you know what i mean like it's not like oh hang on a minute but in the last one you said this why are you now doing why have you now changed that like there's none of that um and that's where these prequel trilogies still stand high for me over the over the sequel over the sequels because at one point i did think that the sequels were going to be far superior than the prequels but not to be not to be by the end of it um but yeah there we go i realized well i'm not really to touch upon Tackle of the clones because i feel like if i did that'd be another 40 minutes of me just kind of going into uh Going into Nerd Rage. I've seen Red. The Red Mist descends. But what's your favourite prequel film? Star Wars film, that is. Is it Episode 1, 2, or is it 3? I say 3 is a great standout. I have much love and admiration for the first one, for the hype and everything, the build-up to it, all that. You know, the new Star Wars film, man. Like, it was a, like couple of decades since the last star wars film so it was really 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 you know high high you know uh, hype i should say um so yeah which is your favorite or is it the infamous attack of the clones is it my least favorite is attack of the clones your favorite so do let me know jump onto facebook joe blogs about films don't forget as well to hit notification button on spotify apple etc so you can be notified on your phone when the new episode is uploaded but here we are episode 50 like i say thank you so much again for listening i've got a few more reviews coming your way this week don't miss it but until next time though take care